Hello, church. Today's passage is Ruth chapter 2, verses 17 through 23. So if you would, open up your YouVersion Bible app or, or get your analog Bible and follow along today. And I'd encourage you, um, bring your Bible to church. How weird is that? Like, br- bring your Bible to church. We want to absorb the goodness, the truth, the Word of God. We want to hide it in our hearts. And so I pray that the Bible, that your Bible is not open just one time a week on Sunday mornings. I pray that this is your sword. Like, this is the thing that you're reading every single day. And so let's look at Ruth chapter 2, verses 17 through 23. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered. And it amounted to about an ephod or ephod. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Verse 21, then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish, until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. Verse 23, So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished. And she lived there with her mother-in-law. So here in Ruth chapter 2, starting in verse 17, there's so many cool little nuggets that as I was studying this and, and as our message team, I want to give full credit to our message team. We have a team of about six people and we're dialoguing, dialoguing over scripture, over this tool called Slack and we're talking and we're meeting and we're praying. And so some of these thoughts, I'm just not that smart. So I'll just give credit to our entire team. Like this has been so cool to um, enter into these passages with a team of people looking at it from multiple angles. I think we get in bad trouble when we try to um, read the Bible and discern the Bible and interpret the Bible in our own little silos. Like our own lenses can be the things that cause us to miss the richness and the fullness of who God is. And so as we've been looking at this passage as a team, we have five or six different angles and lenses that we're looking at it. And so I'm real excited to be the one that's giving the message today. In verse 17, so Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephod. And in 17, it said she had been working until evening. Hey, no matter how you cut it, no matter how you slice it, Ruth was hardcore. Like she had been working to the evening, from the, from the morning to the evening. And what was she getting? What was she gathering? She amounted, she gathered and amounted the, the barley to about an ephah or ephah, however you say that. Hebrew, I'm not. And so I probably butchered it. But what does that mean? What do the measurements come out to? It comes out to about 30 pounds of grain. 30 pounds of grain. 
Now, we need to remember that Ruth, she's still freshly, she's come over to Judah. She's, she's a Moabite, which the author continues to remind us. If you look in verse 21, continues to remind us that she's a foreigner coming to this land. Um, she's a childless um, widow. Her husband died. She is lower than the servants. And we see here that she is a hard, hard worker. I think some of us can relate. I think most of us can relate on one level, if not, if not one level, then the other. And this, here's what I mean, like the exhaustion of, of never having enough. Or on the other side of that, the gift of having enough. So when we look at scripture, we see men and women throughout all times. And we can look around in our modern day and just see people that work. They work really, really hard. And God has designed us to be people that are going to work. And some of us will have a very little and it's going to be exhausting to make it through every day. And some of us will have much when it comes to resources and to be very generous and to be very faithful with whatever God has given us. See, right now in Ruth's story, in her time in life, she doesn't have a lot. But we also see that Boaz has a lot. And they're both very faithful with what God has given them. Oh, church, the diversity of the church. Some of us, we own businesses and we were able to provide paychecks for other people. Some of us, we work and, and we get paychecks from other people. Some of us, were in this spot where maybe we're on a furlough or whatever it may be and, and we're trying to do whatever we can to, to live and survive in the diversity of God's church. It's one of the things that I love the most about our house churches. I mean, our house churches are so diverse. I mean, we have people from all ages and, and all like financial statuses and all experiences coming together to look at Scripture. And so, once again, I encourage all of us, like, let's be hard workers and let's do life together. And specifically for church project, that means being part of a house church. See, Colossians 3.23 is what I'm reminded of during this time. And it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So wherever today finds you, and in a place of massive abundance or a place just gleaning the fields because that's all you can do, work at it with all your heart and trust that God is providing for you every single day. We see Ruth doing that. She's doing what she can do and she is working. Her, her bones, her little hands are probably bleeding. She's working from, from dawn to dusk like she's getting busy with it. Now let's look at verse 18. We get to verse 18 and it says this, she carried it back. What does she carry back? The 30 pounds of, of, of barley that she had harvested, she carried it back to town. Not sure how far away town was, but again, she could probably kick my tail carrying 30 pounds of barley anywhere, five feet, I'm already out of breath. Like She carried it all the way back to town. And her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. We, say, we see in verse 18, it says, when she had had eaten enough. This term right here in, in, in um, Hebrew is this, soba, which means to sat, satiation. So it means to satisfy. That's where we get our word satisfy, okay? It means the abundance. It means to the full. And so Ruth had eaten, had eaten enough, and she had enough. She had 
more than enough. She had an abundance. She was completely satisfied. And what does she do? She gives it to her mother-in-law. This word right here is so important because to, to grasp this word, to be satisfied, to have enough, we can look at the opposite and, and not meaning, but the same word, but just opposite kind of tone. And that's in Psalm 79, 11. Psalm 79, 11 says this, may the groans of the prisoners come before you. You can feel that now, right? Like this is a Hebrew language. It's an artistic language. May the groans of the prisoners come before you with your strong arm. Preserve those condemned to die. And so when we get the, the essence of this word now, with the groans of the prisoners coming before you and the strong arm, preserve those who condemn you. When we think about that Hebrew word, it's the same Hebrew word that we're talking about here where she had eaten enough. She was satisfied. And we see that in verse 18, she gives her leftover lunch to her mother-in-law, the roasted grain that she had eaten enough of. <laughs> Ruth is so generous. That she had eaten enough, she was satisfied, she had an abundance of it, and she gives it to her mother-in-law. Now, we don't know at this point if Ruth is a follower of Christ yet. We, we don't know that. It's not clear yet. I mean, we kind of know the story and where it's going. We know this is an ultimate love story. We're seeing beautiful things come out here. But we don't know if she's a follower of Christ or not. What we do know, though, is that Ruth is setting a culture of generosity. Even in her lack, we see that she suddenly eats till she's satisfied and she has enough and she takes it home and she gives what she has to her mother-in-law. Like she's setting a culture of generosity. May we, Church Project, in our abundance, in our lack of, of, of resources, whatever it may be, may we set a culture of generosity everywhere that we go. And we see Ruth doing this right now. Paul speaks of this in multiple places in Romans. And he says, if there's anything good in me, it's Jesus Christ. See, Ruth is being very generous. We don't know if she's a follower of Christ yet. But as Christ followers, may we have the attitude of Paul. It's like sin is going to overtake me. If it's left to me, I'm going to do wrong. If there's anything that's good in me, it's of Jesus Christ. And when we come from that place, where if there's anything good in me, it comes from Jesus Christ, then we can't help but be generous people. We can't be arrogant because we know that nothing good comes from us. If there's good in us, it's from Jesus Christ. And it's from that point of mentality and living that we are very generous and very thankful. One thing I've learned and experienced in church is the more we know Christ, the more generous we become. The more we know Christ, the more generous we become. Why? Because I think it puts us in our place. I think we then realize that Jesus, without you, we're nothing and we need you. And the more that we study the life of Jesus Christ, the more we listen to the Holy Spirit, the more generous we become. Other people's kindness to me makes me want to be more generous. When someone's kind to me, it makes me want to be more generous. I mean, think about your life. Has someone been very generous to you? I've had a few instances in my life where someone's generosity was mind-blowing. 
I mean, humbling. I was so thankful for how generous they were. And the first thing I wanted to do was share that generosity with others. I wanted to become a man and Lauren wanted to become a woman that was more generous in living and giving in all aspects of our life because of someone else's generosity. We see here in Ruth 18, Ruth 17 and 18 chapter 2 that Ruth was hardworking, she was humble, and she was honoring. So far, Ruth, she's got it going on. Ruth, thank you. Like, thank you for being the person that you are. No wonder you're, you have a whole book here <laughs> written after you, okay? Then we get to verse 19. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean from? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. So just to be really clear here, in 19, Naomi is questioning God's providence. Hey, look, look, at the very beginning, Naomi is questioning God's providence. Where did you glean? Where did you work? Like she just wants to know, God's working, right? I mean, Ruth left with nothing and comes back with 30 pounds of barley. And Naomi's like, okay, God, this is obviously your hand working. Where, where, how, how, when, when? Like, I can't figure this out. And sometimes it's true in our life. Like, God's providence, he's going to do what he's going to do. And we need to trust him. We need to not question what he's going to do. His providence, God works through people. God works through place. And God works through time to accomplish his plan. So God works through people, place, and time to accomplish his, pan, his plan, his providence in our life. And so we see here through, through people in this story, Boaz, through a, a place here in Judah, and we see through time, even in a day's span, God's providence in Ruth's and Naomi's life. Psalms 25 says this, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your path. May we as, as Christians, when we wake up, go, God, I'm going to be humble. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to trust you that, that your providence is moving in my life. Show me your ways. Teach me your path. May I be faithful with today. We get to verse 20. The Lord bless him. Look at this. The Lord bless him, Naomi said. Way different from the last time we heard from Naomi, right? The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Now, it's easy to get really kind of confused in this verse because of the he and the he, um, but... I want to give us perspective here, okay? It says, the Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. And then you notice it says, he has not stopped showing his kindness. Naomi's not referring to Boaz with this he. She is referring to the Lord, capital H. The Lord has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And she's speaking to them being alive. And she's also speaking to her husband and sons that she lost. She's, she's like changing someone's generosity is changing. Naomi right now is saying, the Lord bless us. He has not stopped showing his kindness to us. <sighs> the, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. And now Naomi is speaking and referring to um, Boaz. 
He is our guardian redeemer. And in verse 20, when she says the Lord bless him, someone's kindness, Ruth's kindness and Boaz's kindness changed Naomi. I mean, it wasn't just a few verses ago where Naomi was like, my life, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, bitter. Like she is, she's got something against God. Like she's, she's filled with bitterness. And all we see is kindness and generosity from Boaz and from Ruth. And now Naomi is changing. And she's saying, the Lord is good. He is blessing. Like we see this change. Someone's kindness and serving changed Naomi. We have no idea the consequences of our kindness. When we're kind, that's what God's called us to be and do. Let's be faithful with that. We don't know the result of that. We don't know if our kind act, as small or as grandiose as it is, like, is going to be life-changing, save the life of people. Like the last, the last thing that they're hanging on to before they come to follow Christ. Like our generosity, when God prompts you to be generous, which he is right now, with your words, with your deeds, with your thoughts, with your money, with all of our life, we don't know the consequences of our kindness. And did Boaz know? Like, he is going to change the way Naomi even names herself. Naomi wouldn't always identify as Mara, bitter. I mean, during that time, she says, I'm not Naomi, I'm Mara. And that was her reality. Like, the, I am bitter right now. But we see because of kindness and generosity, God continues to be who he is, no matter how we feel towards him. <laughs> That's strong, man. Like, God continues to be who he is no matter how we feel towards him. And God was so patient and loving with Naomi that he let her walk through thinking that she was bitter and, and no good. And now we see generosity and love and we see her going, the Lord is good and God never changed. He was always good. We see here that, that, that she says, He's been generous to the living and the dead through the death of my husband and son. God is working. And then we get to this wonderful word here, this guardian redeemer at the end of verse 20. Some of your versions may say, might say kinsman, or it might say closest relative. And God, here's, we see all through scripture that God wanted his people to care for his people. We see, hey, if, if, if uh, your husband's sister dies or your, your, your sister's husband die, then it's the relative closest that should marry and take care of them. Like the guardian redeemer, the idea of that is God wanted his people to care for his people and to take care of his people. The Hebrew word that's used right here is hesed. And that means loyal love, loyal love. And so, God's plan, God's providence, and the way God designed this hesed is he wanted God's people to take care of God's people. I, and so we see Boaz. He's saying in, in a little bit, Boaz, we're going to see how, how much he is the guardian redeemer or the kinsman or the closest relative. He says, I will do this because I am bound to do this and I want to do this. That's what's coming up in a little bit next week. And he says, I hear... I am going to do this because I'm bound to do this and I want to do this. I hear this all the time in church. 
It's the church taking care of the church, especially in the house church setting, especially if you stay in church. You just don't go on a Sunday gathering and you call it good. Like, no, you're, you're in a relationship with people. We see Hesed being lived out with us, with Church Project, all the time. It's some of the be- most beautiful stories that I can think of Church Project. It's God's people bound to take care of God's people. It's God's providence. It's the way that God's work. It's His Hesed. So just sitting here on Sunday is not the church. I mean, it's a portion of it, and we're getting God's scripture, and we're worshiping, and I mean, it is. like It's beautiful, and it's special, but there's so much more. Church is God's people living together and working together. The Hesed, the guardian redeemers, looking out for each other, saying, are you in need? I'm stepping in. I'm taking over. Like I'm going to pull you through this. Like I'm with you. We are one body moving together. May we be the Hesed. May we be to each other the guardian redeemers, caring and loving and looking out for each other. I, I think of Hebrews 12 too, it says this, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And this is Jesus on the cross. And he's saying, listen, I will do this because I'm bound to do this and because I want to do this. Jesus has shown us what it means to live a life of hesed, to be a guardian redeemer, to care for the world at large. He laid his own life on the cross and died on the cross for the sins of all, all of us, as the guardian redeemer. And we see in this story, Boaz, this parallel, this beautiful love story. We know where this story is going. We see this parallel of Jesus and who he is in our lives. Like Boaz, Jesus, has come to us, Ruth, Naomi, in the pit of our despair. And he continues to be generous, laying it all all on the line for us. And Jesus is saying, I will do this because I am bound to do this. But more than that, it's because I want to do this. Amen. Let's get to verse 21. Then Ruth, the Moabite, again, the author, for some reason, is just reminding us that maybe, I don't know, Ruth is adopted kind of like we are all adopted. She's a foreigner, kind of like we are foreigners. We're grafted into the body of Christ. It's about all I can come up with, why, why the author keeps referring to this. So then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all of the grain. And in verse 21, she stepped outside the life and love of Jesus and harming themselves and others to, to do that. Um, Naomi said, don't. Don't step outside the life and love of Jesus because there's harm over there. And Naomi's saying this in the physical sense to Ruth, like, hey, stay under, stay under the guardian redeemer, stay under his protection because in his fields, it's going to be good. But if you step outside that, don't do that because there's death, there's destruction. And how true is that for us? Like how many of us, we stay under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We say, God, change me, make me more like you. How many of us, we stay in the church in relationships and, and we, that, that's not all of our relationships, but we're not going over here and living our own life and then, oh yeah, coming back on Sundays and doing that Sunday church thing and then going back over here. No, we need to be moving together under the blessing and lordship and the anointing of Jesus Christ in our lives. Outside of that is death and destruction. Now let's get to verse 22 and 23 just to wrap this up. 
Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the harley and wheat harvests were finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law in in verse 22 and 23. What really stood out to me on this was that the harvests were finished. This is an ongoing story. It's not like a one-day thing. There's the, the barley and the wheat harvest. It's at least two months, right? End of spring, maybe, into the summer. Not quite sure here. But we have a little bit of time that's going on. And this story is ongoing. It, it wasn't like all of a sudden Ruth went from, from bottom all the way to the top, which we know this love story leads to that. We get the, the benefit of reading all of the book. And so we kind of know where this is going. But this is a beautiful love story that, that took time until the harvests were finished. Like we look at this and we go, Naomi is wanting Ruth to get married. That's pretty obvious. Ruth is probably wanting to get married. Boaz, he's like, this woman, I mean, she's good looking. She is generous. She's a hard worker. She is selfless in the way she lives. He's probably like, sign me up. I want to marry her, right? But it's just not time. It's just not time. It's going to take a little bit of time for this story to play out and for you and me waiting for God as part of our faith. We might find ourselves in a place right now where it's like, God, we need you to come through. Like, I, I'm, I'm at the bottom. I don't, I don't know what to do. Emotionally, I'm exhausted. Mentally, I'm spent. Like, I, I don't know what to do. God, I need you to come through. And if that's you, I would say, hold on, hold on. Like, waiting for God is just part of our faith. Don't suddenly just jump over to the other field and start doing what you want to do. Stay under the protection of the Lord. Stay in Boaz's field. Like hold on. Waiting for God is part of our faith. Psalms 27, 14 says this, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So church, I encourage you, if you're at a place where you think you need the Lord to come through, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. It's hard. I get it. There's been multiple times in my life where I'm like, God, if I don't know, I don't know I'm at my end. And Ruth, for every reason, she could be at her end. Naomi, for every reason, she could, they, she could be at her end. And the story is unfolding. It's going to take months. It's not quite time. Just hang on. God's timing, God's private providence is perfect in this story and it's perfect in our life. Don't abandon the faith. Don't run and do your own thing. Don't go put it on the credit card. Like trust that God is going to come through in your life in His perfect timing. Waiting on the timing of God is a massive act of faith. So church, hold on. Wait on God's timing. The spring and summer is how long it takes here for this story, this beautiful love story to play out in Ruth and Boaz's life. And whatever story is unfolding in your life, it may take spring and summer. It may take months. It may take time. But hold on. And as we read this beautiful story, I love the book of Ruth. May we be encouraged. And may this drive us to think. And may this drive us to want to be people 
who the image of God is so reflecting off of us that we live generous to everyone around us. And we trust His plans and His time are worth the wait. And He is going to accomplish His plans in our life. I'm excited for next week. The story continues. It gets even better. This turns into a juicy love story really, really soon. But it's not yet time. It's going to take time for this story to unfold here in the Bible and in our lives. Let me pray. God, thank you. You are a good, good God. And our bitterness, our experiences don't change that. May we not be consumed or sucked into small thinking, temporary thinking, temporal thinking. May we lift our eyes to the heavens. May we call heaven to earth. May we think eternity And may we know that you are good, even when our circumstances, our current circumstances, don't look so good. So God, I pray for strength for your church, for the men and women that are listening right now. I pray for strength for them, that they will call the goodness and the beautiful things out of everyone around them. That we would be men and women that are generous in all ways. And we trust you, your timing, your providence, your perfect will in our life, God that you're working everything out for the good according to those who call on your name. And God, we call on your name. You are Lord Jesus. You are our kinsman redeemer. Thank you for being our provider. We love you. We thank you for our time together. And all the God's people said, amen.